Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off starts. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and today I have one of my, uh, I would say, one of the people I look up to the most in the sneaker game uh, over the years, and somebody who really kind of drastically changed the direction of my career just based on some of the things he created. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Paul Litchfield, who many of you might know. But Paul, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Uh, things are going great. Really appreciate you having us today. Thank you. Of course, man. Of course. Uh, so we had connected a few times throughout my journey. And, you know, you had kind of been one of the pioneers in the footwear industry, you know, prior to that. Um, I guess maybe give a little bit of background of how of, of what you've done, what you've accomplished, and how you kind of got started in the footwear industry. Uh, so, okay, um, well, I've been in the business for a long time, since um, 85. And before that, um, it did some research. Um, so prior to being in the footwear business, I was in graduate school program in exercise science and muscle biochemistry, basically. You know, how does the body perform and, and how does it work? And uh, did a bunch of research um, in the United States at university, but then also over to Scotland working on my um, post-master's and on a PhD work and had a little brief stint doing some work with Nike back in the day uh, on research uh, for their uh, Columbia running shoe, which was their first full-length air sole running shoe. They wanted to look at muscle damage, you know, over uh, long-term um, long distances and ultra distances. So we did some research back then and uh, packaged that up, sent it to Nike, and then went back to uh, working in university work, came back to the United States uh, to finish my PhD, ran into some complications and found myself um, at a couple of crossroads uh, to either dive back into academics um, and finish my work and become, you know, a wicked smart professor, uh, or, <laughs> or, or uh, I, I had this chance to, uh, I interviewed with, and then had this got, uh, got offered a job with a small company called Reebok uh, in the Boston area, and uh, this was in November of '85. So in December of '85, I took a job with Reebok, um, doing research and development. It's very loose title, but I was working on product with. Um, two other developers and three designers. And that was the entire R&D department. And then um, I was going to do that for six months and then go back to school the following uh, fall, right? Finish up. And uh, that six months turned into 37 years. So, <laughs> I, Hey, I, I, I can totally understand that. It, it, 
<laughs> it, it started as a hobby for me and was one of those things that was unattainable as a kid because, you know, the, the shoes were just too expensive for the family. And, and next thing you know, you find yourself a door opens and then more doors open. And then, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm getting close to 20 years now myself. So, <laughs> yeah, no, Nick, Nick, it's funny because I, I, I met you, I met you when you were first kind of getting into the, the sneaker game, even though you'd already done a lot of writing and stuff like that. Right. Yep. And, uh, and you had, you had, um, you had a lot of street cred going, but much like, I, I don't know, to me, I find a lot of us end up having this, um, these unintended pathways that get us to the, uh, to the, uh, you know, sporting or uh, footwear destination. Right. Um, interest in all that certainly is a momentum builder, but you need to, um, <laughs> probably change change course on what you're doing right uh and then and then when you get in when you get in here uh, if if you've got a genetic flaw then this stuff really works for you right if if if, if something is missing in your brain you go like this is really fun you know it, <laughs> it becomes it becomes part of you doesn't it absolutely absolutely yeah. well yeah. so before we get into to the rest of your journey and where you're at now what like we, we've got a lot of listeners that are, I would say, uh, maybe maybe potentially aspiring footwear industry professionals. So yeah. could you talk about maybe, in especially in those early days, with such a small team and, and some of the just grandiose ideas that came out of that era, like what what were some of the roadblocks that you had to, to, to move and, and hurdle over to get through to where you ended up? Because you know, nowadays, like, it's so different. People can, can kind of find the answers on a YouTube video or find the answers in a, you know, from, from a connection on social media or something. But I feel like, you know, what we were talking about before we hit record, that drive slash stubbornness that I think you and I share is part of what makes us really successful and, and also just makes us really appreciate this industry. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, so kind of a lot to unbundle. I'll try to do it quickly. Um, I think that there is, I think you need to have kind of a thick skin um, because this whole process in the business is actually pretty humbling. I mean, I know that like today's part of my 15 minutes of fame, right? Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking to, you know, the, the world via, via your podcast, but most of it is just the daily grind and the projects, uh, whether they be making the shoes promoting them, writing about them, you know, describing themselves. Uh, it, it tends to be a, a pretty humbling process because the, 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 the product is going to dictate the direction, right? And, and invariably with, with, in our business, um, there are many things that are subjective. Like with us on, on, on this podcast, um, there's, a, there's a shoe that I might love. And... Um, and it might fit me well. It might be great and all this kind of stuff. And then you just might hate it. Now, it might fit you equally well, but it just doesn't work for you. And now, how can I how can I rationally kind of wrap my head around that if I was party to creating that shoe? Yeah. Right. Just things like that. You know, or, or when, you, when you're doing a blog post or when you're doing any of these podcasts and somebody writes in, I think you've said in, the, in some of your past interviews, you know, you get these trolls out there who just kind of throw hand grenades and you're like, Okay, <laughs> like all right, I guess, but you got to be willing to kind of let that just wash off you and 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 move forward. 
So that's that's kind of to me, it's a degree of perseverance and it's a degree of humility and it's a degree of um, just not listening to the noise. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Did you w- yeah. when you, you know, specifically around like the pump and the technology and that kind of yeah. conversation that was happening yeah. back then, when you when you kind of you and the team figured out that it worked and it functioned and it could no. work, was no. there like a wow factor there or was it more of uh, uh, like, well, no. this might, this might work kind of thing. Cause I think that's a part of what our listeners are probably, you know, we've all got those voices in our head of like, you know, this isn't going to work. There's plenty of that confirmation, but. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, uh, we used to call it, you know, you have your, your, you have your wall of fame, right? Which is you put your, you put your shoes on behind it is a warehouse full of hall of shame, <laughs> right? And, and no, seriously, right? And, yeah. and, and and that's that's the part I like. Uh, we I try to spend a lot of time in the Hall of Shame because what it does it's it's very informative, very educational, but it also keeps you grounded. Like uh, when you said uh, the stuff we did back in the early days. Um, first of all, footwear was um, the mobile phone, the cool car, the, all the cool stuff that you guys have for distractions now, right? Yeah. Um, video games and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we had asteroids, you know, and, and, and that, that was it. So, so sneakers and, and footwear was, was kind of the deal. That was the moniker, right? So, um, and the sporting goods industry was changing a great deal back in the um, late, late eighties. Uh, and the running boom was, was well underway, um, but it was going from those, um, Frank Shorter, like really short shorts, uh, tank tops to people who would just run all the time, you know. So, and, and the basketball game was going from, uh, the old school kind of set shot, uh, kind of like, uh, to a, to a very dynamic, uh, Julius Irving, Dr. J above the rim kind of thing and yeah. all that. So athlete, everything was changing. And at the same time, one of the things that was going on, Nick, was that there was a, um, a, a bit of a proliferation of new materials, um, the DuPonts, the Dows, all the chemical companies, BASF, all these guys, they were, they were, they were looking at um, how to improve their own material portfolios. And many of those portfolios, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, many of those materials rather actually ended up um, being useful in some way, shape or form into the footwear business. So, so that, 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 that helped, that helped a lot. And when we were looking at the combination of these material sciences um, the performance biomechanics, uh, and, and also the, um, the enthusiasm just in the industry at the time, right? Um, it was easier to just, um, I think it was easier to make stuff. I think it was easier to do it because, uh, you were, we were kind of setting our own rules. Now that it also resulted in spectacular failures, but that's <laughs> but that's all part of it, right? And and so um, you know, and and so when we were doing the pump, there, there were a couple of kind of eureka moments for, for myself and the small team that we that we had. I, I, it was myself and um, one or two people at Reebok. We also worked with a company, uh, um, outside consulting firm called Design Continuum, uh, and and you know we. We did. We were able to put together these shoes, and uh, every person contributed to the creation of it in such a way where it was, uh, you know. But when it when it converged, 
It went it went spectacular. Now, is this a is this an audio only or visual also? Uh, I'll have both, but I usually only publish audio. All right, dude, check this out one second because I did this the other day. Just hold on one second. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. This is my barn. This is my barn. So, dude, here is the very first pump shoes we ever made. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So, 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 dude, uh, of course, the PU is all flaking yeah. off, right, Nick? But this was where the pump was back here, okay? Wow. Uh, and, and, and then we had another one, which I thought was way cooler. This one here had a little, like, a dimmer switch. It has – sorry, let me do this here. It has a round valve in it, and down inside here – there was a little heel pump. Can you see it in there? Wow. Okay. So, so Nick, what what, what happened was um, we went to, we went to a couple of uh, high schools and call and college local colleges, uh, JUCOs, yeah. right? Um, to try these these out, and I was convinced. And again, this was another point of learning for me. I was convinced that this was going to be it because you could you could walk on it and it inflated, mm-hmm. right? And 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 but it inflated over steps and stuff like that. But I thought it was very cool. Now, what happened was, and this was not by our instructions, but kids on the bench during, you know, they're 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 playing they're playing uh, practice scrimmages. When they're on the bench, they'd be bending over, sitting down, pumping up their heels, and then and then and then on the side here is a little bicycle tire relief valve, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and so that that ended up um, that ended up creating this little psh, psh of air, and kids were like, kids were getting jacked about that. But it was one of these things where I was like, holy shit. I'm like, it, it was just one of those. That was one of those epiphanies for me where, you know, I was, you know, because of all my degrees and shit, I'm like, this is the way to go. Right. And the people are like, no, kid, no, no, no. This is the way to go. You know, so 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 to me, Nick, it was just very, very cool. It was very cool. So uh, then let me do one thing. One second. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry, dude. So so this is this is that shoe again. Right. And because the PU fell apart, I want to show you this. You see these dangling little mm-hmm. things here? We actually literally had to make the shoe, stick your hand in, make these fitment connections and all that. So it was impossible to make this shoe. I mean, we can make yeah. samples. And and we brought these, we brought these down, uh, these finished these up literally, dude, on February 4th, 1989. Okay. Uh, and I flew, I, I hand carried them back down to the Atlanta super show and we brought them in and, uh, and then all the cool kids at, at, at Reebok, they went, they took these and we, we had them behind this, um, this special room you, you, you had to be invited into and these things worked and people were like, cause at the same time, Nike had their Nike air pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got I got one of those over here as, as well. But but they had this Nike Air Pressure. It was under glass, and you couldn't see. And it was like typical Nike, like super buffed out. But it was way it was way more finished than than our shoes. So our shoes created a buzz because we wanted to try them on. People could feel it and shit like that. And then um, and then we went back, and I had to inform. Paul Fireman, the owner of Reebok, and other people, like, hey, we can't make these. And and Paul was pretty clear about the fact that, you know, if I intended to be remain employed, we we're going to figure out to make it. So, 
I, I, I talked to our, our VP of design, Paul Brown, um, British guy. And, and Paul did um, all the freestyle. He did a lot of the early, um, the early uh, aerobic yeah. stuff, exo fits and all that kind of stuff. And I said, Paul, you know, we, we got to make this shoe, but we can't have the pump here on the heel counter. We got to put it somewhere in the front of the shoe. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, put it down here. I, I was just like, I was just throwing shit against the wall. Put it up on the collar, wherever. So Paul came up and like within about a four or five day period, Nick, he had this drawing that looked like this. And, it, and he, he actually literally placed it right like this. And I'm like, that's cool. He says, yeah, he said, I was thinking, you know, we needed the pump somewhere. He said, I put it on the top of the tongue and he said, I made it look like a basketball. <laughs> and dude, Nick, honestly, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but when I'm like, I'm like, shit, that's it. And, 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 and so the whole trajectory of the project change, you know, the whole Forrest Gump thing, dude, yeah. um, it, the whole trajectory changed. And we now, this was now probably early March, right? And we had to have this thing out the door by uh, holiday, by November, um, yep. you know, Black Friday uh, of 89. <laughs> dude, it was like, I, I, I coined this for. I was like a leper colony because <laughs> nobody wanted anything to do with it. Cause like, this is going to fail miserably. Right. <laughs> and so, and, and, and so nobody wanted to be associated with, you know, this, cause, cause there was a lot of momentum on the Reebok side for it uh, in, in, internally, internally. And uh, ultimately um, we're able to figure things out and, and, and put it all together and all that. But I mean, long story short, always the, the, the product, informs you on where you're going right um the notion that you know this this pump shoe you know this was the idea from the beginning yes and no we wanted to make a custom we wanted to make a better supportive basketball shoe for bigger players faster players we wanted to make uh, a, a a shoe that um that had certain attributes. We settled on this customization. We're using air as a management tool um and uh and then we uh and basically what we did was we put it together in July, late July, um, the, okay, dude, check this out. Hold on. We're going right. right. You ready? So, in, in, all right, sorry. You know, I was going to do my uh, my iPad, but I, I didn't. So, these are, let, let me see. These are the very first pump molds. Here, here, okay. I don't know if you can see it. This is the very first mold. Wow. It's a it's a brass tool. Yeah. Can you wow. see it? So, 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 this is a brass tool. It weighs... I mean, it's a solid piece of brass, uh, and and here are the you know you you basically here's the the pump bladder that it makes, uh, and these were this was the first ones we made back in '89, uh, right? Anyways, these brass tools we had to we had to sign a um, a contract with this company Dielectrics, who was making this with us, and we had to make it we had to sign a contract for thirty six thousand pair in july and my vp my, my buddy who's a vp of production chris walsh chris had said look at you're signing this with me because you know when this thing flames out you're going down with me i'm like all right cool so but what happened was because reebok was pretty we were the biggest shoe company in the world then we were really you know we despite of ourselves we were very popular and uh, and what happened nick was um our vp of sales bob mears had a great relationship with with uh with um footlocker and so he cut a deal with them, and I don't even want to know the details, but he cut a deal with them where they would take a container worth of these pump shoes. Uh, and, and they did so somewhat, I think, begrudgingly, 
but it at least got us a container, like about 4,800 pairs of shoes or something to be made. So we, we, our first production was, um, started on September 21st of that year. And, uh, cause I was out in, out in Korea uh, working on that. And, um, and it was, and we had 7,200 pair in our production run. That was it. And that was in, and that was in September of 89. And then firemen held this shoe up at, um, at the Chicago ISPO show. Uh, and, and he basically said, this is going to be the Reebok freestyle in the 90s, meaning this was going to set the new agenda for Reebok. And, dude, from there, honestly, Nick, this is where, to me, it was super cool because the Reebok machine, um, the marketing, the advertising, the athlete PR team, dude, they went, they went into hyperdrive. And, and it worked unbelievably well. And, and, and the, the, the shoe became um, this momentum unto itself right and we and then we started selling it dude we sold it by the bucket and and you want to talk about being being a frugal kid or being a kid with a frugal family right i'm from boston um, we working family and all that and this shoe was 170 dollars to start in 1989 i'm like i mean i couldn't yeah. afford that yep. shit but but people did, man, and it and it and it worked out really well. And again, it was part of, um, like we said, the hard work, good luck, and opportunity converged, and it became this thing. Uh, you know, and that's that's about as Forrest Gump as you can get. <laughs> yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, so I, I I know that went a little bit deeper, but no, I just wanted to show great. you. That Everybody's going to love that story and seeing that. I mean, but it also it leads me into kind of questions about about like how all that came together and, and kind of the contrast between then and now, right? You yeah. mentioned first, just like, it's interesting to think about the different groups of people, the people outside of Reebok, there's different people that are all connected to these products and the story behind all of these. Yeah. And I, I think it gets lost in translation for people that don't work in the footwear business or, or the apparel industry of some sort, yep. because there's so many ways you can be involved without being directly employed by a particular company that makes this product. Right. Yeah. So, but, 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 but Nick, and, and here's the deal. And that's actually a, that's a great way to put it. You don't have to be, you, you don't have to pick up a paycheck from that brand to actually contribute to the success of that model or that movement. And, and, and to me, that's one of the coolest things, and that's still true today. Now, it manifests itself very differently than it did back in the day. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you're a good dude, but you're also part of that new machine that helps to amplify yep. a position. And, and it's it's something, honestly, as an old dude, I'm like, I don't get it, but OK. But you're right. And, and so so but it ends up being one of those things where being a contributor to uh, the momentum, whether it be an item or an article or or or, or a, a, a thought process, you know, it can it can take on a lot of different forms and all of them are equally important. I mean, there are. I have product here in my in my barn that it, that from over time that I've worked on, um, you know, from Reebok side, the Hexalite, the DMX. I did all that stuff, and 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 they all present differently. They all have different reasons for being. 
but um, they're only just items until uh, the the whole team plays their appropriate positions and contributes to it. Yeah, absolutely. What well, perfectly said. I, I, you know, and I think yeah. too, like there's there's uh, you know that's a missing piece, right? We the new way of the footwear industry, uh, sneakers specifically, feels very. Uh, there's just always a face in front of whatever, whatever that story or product is. And I think it's, it's, it's just interesting to see it evolve to that point. And, you know, and and I think it's an ebb and a flow, right? Like, you know, we will probably see that change again. We're, we're already seeing, you know, teams of people creating really strong energy and movements and changes amongst very, uh, you know, very like focused areas of footwear and I think the other part of that that I think is interesting and kind of to your early days with this, like the experimentation and the, you know, as you said, the, 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 the wall of shame behind the wall of fame, right? We're getting to see a lot of really young kids at 15, 16, 17 years old building out their wall of shame right now on an Instagram account. Yeah. And it's turning into things that to your point about the way that the pump concept went from, you know, kind of heel inside of the foot to the, the t- top of the tongue, I feel like we're, we're in this really awesome, it's, it's intimidating to me because I'm not, uh, I'm not like creative in that way. Like I'm creative in a lot of ways, but that is definitely not my strong suit. But I see some of the kids that are creating customized stuff and they're, they're taking a shoe off the wall or out of the Goodwill bin and cutting it up and making it their own. And to me, that's like, it's, it's what you did that long ago. And now in this new world, it's like now they get to do it and get feedback instantly from that consumer base. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call you out now. Okay. (laughs) Um, What was your first pair of Nikes? Uh, My first pair of Nikes. I probably a Cortez actually. Well, okay. Which what, what was your first pair of Nike Airs that you had for two years? Oh, Nike Airs, the the Ultra Force. Boom. Yep. Who who spent their time taping that shit together <laughs> and coloring it and everything else? Yeah, keeping it together and gluing it and hot glue and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I remember you telling that story. So 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 one of the things that's kind of cool about it, Nick, is that like uh, again. To your point, some people do it in public, other people who do it behind the scenes. You know, we're all I, I think we all have got that. I mean, so don't sell your creativity <laughs> short. Keith, I appreciate right? that. <laughs> so so it's just it's just one of those it's one of those things. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And uh, Nick, as a complete selfless plug, this is the one thing I love about this company, Go Rock, that I'm at. OK, uh, because, um, you know, we do have our founder, Jason McCarthy. He's like. Uh, he's the face of the whole thing because you, you need a person. This company is about team commitment, and we're, we we commit we commit to um, our customers. We commit to each other. We commit to you know providing continuing to buy, provide service to the community in in the different endeavors we do and stuff. And it's just it's a to your point. I think a lot of the, I think the pendulum is going to swing back in that role in that regard. Um, Pretty significantly. And I think it's super important. Yeah, most definitely. I agree. The other thing that kind of is probably related to more of what you're doing now that you mentioned about the past materials, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. materials back then, I would have, you know, I would imagine it was 
probably a complete pain to source new materials at the time. And now the development process of new materials, the the being able to pick and choose, like probably, I don't know if it makes it easier or difficult for, for someone like you that's putting this stuff together, but talk about that because I feel like, I feel like, you know, we went from having leather and rubber to more material choices than, than people can count on sneakers. And some of those materials do some incredible things and are used outside of sneakers for things that people probably don't even imagine. Yeah, most certainly. And, and, and I think that there is, uh, for me, um, the, the polymer companies, the, the material companies, uh, and the, um, and the knitting companies, you know, how you make these, uh, these, uh, one piece knit uppers and things like that. So there's machinery folks, there's, uh, raw material folks, um, you know, and material folks that have been gaining momentum, uh, as far as their throughput goes. Uh, so I'm going to say over the last, um, probably since about 2010, 2012, there was a period of time uh, in, in the in the I'm going to say mid 90s into about the mid 2000s where materials were advancing at a slower pace, right? Uh, and and so like back in the early days in the 80s and early 90s, uh, there were a lot of new materials. And uh, and it was kind of the halcyon days of the sneaker business and all that, right? So uh, there's a lot of new stuff going on. Um, or more importantly, there was a lot of materials being applied into the sneaker business and athletic footwear business that were being used out, outside in the automotive, the aerospace area, and things like that. Um, it's been since about, I'm going to say, 2010 or so. Don't quote me as a hard set date, but where the the material companies bioresins, um, the different polymers, the, um, uh, the, the, the boosts of the world, you know, um, the, um, the different foams, um, the eco materials, the different ways to engineer knit, you know, your prime knits, your fly knits, um, your uh, engineered knit materials, uh, that, that provides, uh, you know, kind of mechanical structure along with these new materials. So yeah, there's a, there's a rainbow of opportunity out there in that. And, and one of the one of the interesting parts is, um, and I think the footwear business has been going this way. Um, every material on a, a decent shoe these days has to be purposeful. Back in the day, uh, you you know you could put a lot of trinkets on your shoes in order to um, glamour them up, right? Uh, but nowadays, nowadays it's 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 more elegant, it's more streamlined, and so the materials that are on there, um, I think, in a successful shoe, they have to be purposeful and they have to speak to uh, the personality of the shoe. Like, like you know, like um, putting a I don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna add limp. Putting a boost material on a uh, on an eco-friendly shoe doesn't make sense. It would be a lightweight, comfortable shoe, but it wouldn't make yep. sense. Whereas, you know, put, so you know what I mean. So, so that that kind of stuff. So, the materials that are chosen and the components that are chosen for any given shoe that's successful, I think, um, has to support the personality of that shoe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't think people think about how that works very much. No. I think we're you know, and there's various areas of the footwear industry, obviously, but we're, we're we see a lot of. Um... But so, 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 Nick, Nick, here's here's the here's for me the fact that people look at a sneaker and they go like, 
Oh, yeah. Shit, I could have done that. To me, that's the biggest compliment going because what what happened, it's also a pain in the ass because then you get under a soon and people are like, well, shit. You know, like when you're looking to advocate for yourself and people are like, well, you know, I mean, that was easy. It's like, well, no, it wasn't. But if you've done your job well, it looks easy. And and, yep. and 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 so and so you know and if you've done your job really well you know it looks like any monkey could do it and then and 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 so you're like huh okay I guess I got I have to be more of a pain in the ass then or something you know but <laughs> whatever so yeah totally yeah. kind of along the lines of the the individual customizers that we're seeing a lot of now mm-hmm. how do you I don't know if it's how do you feel about it or, or what do you think about like the the kind of uh, – I'm going to be a little negative Nancy here. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that it's a trend that kind of goes away because I'd like to see more innovation in footwear. But we have this like – we have this kind of hot trend of, oh, here's a classic shoe of some sorts and now I cut the seams off the tongue or I, you know – change the logo placement. And and I think that's great and creative personally when it's, you know, somebody just tinkering at home and, and playing around with it or, or a customizer that's doing it. But I feel like we're seeing the brands kind of do that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's just wishful thinking. Cause I feel like to your point about all these different materials and how far we've progressed in the last decade or so, there's a lot of opportunity to, to go beyond that and to, to, think further outside the box than we ever have before about what footwear could be, even even in the environmental aspect of it, to your point about, you know, when people mix a, a boost and, a, you know, and, a, and a, you know, a recycled upper, it's like, well, those two things, it's, it's like me putting a, you know, a V12 in my Honda, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. The interesting part on an individual level, there are certain there there are definitely people or there are people inside of these big brands that are super talented and that tinker. Uh, you know, and 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 they and they put these these ideas together, these retro ideas. That's great. Um, I think it's wicked lazy on the big brands part, and I think that it's 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 quite frankly easy for them because the template, the blueprint's already done, and so the risk um, is very manageable, and the reward is incrementally higher, right? Um, operating with so. Taking a half a step back. Everybody wants to be innovative, right? Because that's really cool. Until you realize that innovation by definition is disruption. And the brands don't want disruption. They want incremental revenue to last year, right? We, you know, if you want to be innovative, you're going to find yourself standing alone in a barn in Massachusetts, okay? (laughs) It's it's just the way it is. Or Sacramento, you know. Exactly. Same thing, right? You know, your headphones on in Sacramento. That's how it goes, kid. Right. Um, and, and and so but but really, and and it's not not that that's just price you pay, because that sounds too melodramatic. But you know, like if, if you wanna be um if if you wanna be bold, you gotta be willing to be bold, which means um which means you may not be popular. So, so, so if you're going to do a new article, if you're going to do something new, um, there's a chance. Well, first of all, it's not going to be endorsed by everybody. So there's going to be a, a population of people who don't like it to begin with. Um, but there's a chance that it may not rise to that level of um, uh, 
of notice, uh, either inside of your company or out to the world. And and it's like, okay, welcome aboard, right? Yep, yep. And and and, and it's you know, and yet that's kind of the fun of it, isn't it? It's like, you know, when there's a chance that you're going to get scraped up and 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 go down pretty hard, you know, you say like, well, let's give it a try. I mean, you know. Yep. So. Yep. Well, and that kind of leads me into, you know, where I wanted to get with this conversation anyway, right? I, I uh, you know, I find myself kind of, as you called it, kind of a, a vagabond of sorts. And, you know, it's like on to the next thing and, and always kind of looking for that thing that's challenging me, mm-hmm. um, whether that's just a new environment or a totally new experience, a move or whatever. Um, so, so how, you know, what's the last few years of, of your journey look like? And tell us more about where you're at now. Since my first day back in 85, before you all were born, right? Um, I have been very, very lucky to be a student of this industry. And I mean, the footwear business, I mean, the material business, I mean, the manufacturing business, you know, the science business of things and all that. Literally, I mean, and, and I, I, I say that without, without trying to, you know, have a red badge of courage. I, I mean, I really think that uh, I've been fortunate to be a student of this. And to this day, I am. Uh, I left Reebok in 15. I started a little consulting business. Um, I was asked by Jason to be on the board here at Go Rock. We were kind of working um, uh, on, on this boot called our Mac V1 um, boot. Um, and then um, and, and then I also took a job with a company called J-Bill, J-A-B-I-L. They're, they're an electronics company out of St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, and they're one of the big, uh, one of the big contract manufacturers um, that that owns most of the factories that make washing machines and um, uh, uh, set top boxes for your cables, TV, all this kind of shit, right? Uh, well, they hired me to be the chief engineer of their of their um, innovation and in footwear and apparel manufacturing, which is great because I'm not an engineer at all. I mean, and, and I was with a bunch of smart engineers, but it enabled me to go in and, and see what they're doing in, in the world of robotics and manufacturing and things like that. And it was just a great way to me for me to go back to school. Right. Uh, and, and learn stuff. So I did that. And then in the meantime, uh, Jason, um, you know, we, we launched this boot, this Mac V1 boot. And Jason said, hey, why don't you stop messing around? And I'm, I'm saying this for the for the family audience here. He's like, why don't you stop messing around and why don't you just come down and work with us? And so uh, so I said, yeah. And and so in 18, I started working at GoRuck uh, as the head of product, which is a self-indulgent title. It really is. You know, we've got about 35 people. Uh, we're a small company that's growing. Um, the company has got this. Nick has got this palpable energy of just like. Um, of it reminds me of the early days of Reebok, where we're like the sky's the limit and everything is possible, literally. And and we make great um, rucksacks, which are backpacks. Uh, we have these great events that are team building events. Uh, we make some awesome apparel and we make some pretty kick ass footwear. And 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 so it's it's one of those things where um, you know our footwear, the size of our footwear is about the size of any big brand salesman samples for the year, literally. So 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 we're not we're not we're not a force to be reckoned with from a volume standpoint. We are from an impact standpoint. Our our product is not only purposeful and in the materials 
um, complement the personality of our boot or our ballistic trainer, or our cross our cross training shoe. By the way, this one here, dude, this is our new. We call this the Freedom Ballistic Trainer. It's we're going to do this as a charitable event to uh, to generate uh, revenue for the people of Ukraine. Uh, oh, and, nice! Because this is the color of the Ukraine flag. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll, yeah. So, so Nick, this is coming out in the fall. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely get the details so we can cool. we can let everybody know when it when it lands. Too. Very, very cool. Thanks, Nick. Uh, and so, um, this little company called Go Rock. It has actually, honestly, God, dude, it has kind of riled me up like like the good old days back uh, back when back when we had to uh, make this shoe here. You know. <laughs> So, so it's it, it, true. It's true, and it's and it's with uh, a group of um, equally equally driven, but completely different people. We got we got a bunch for a small group. Um, it's a it's a pretty eclectic blend of people, which is what you want, you know. Uh, and so it's not all that you know. You don't need two Paul Litchfields anywhere in the universe, right? And, and, <laughs> and so and, and so so we got a bunch of different people in in this in this small group, and and it's 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 cool. So that's what I've been doing since eighteen. I continue to work at at Go Rock. Uh, it's a it's an emerging brand. It's it's a brand that already makes that makes product that is already impactful, even though we're not huge yet. We're not even big yet. So that's awesome, man. I mean, and I I hundred percent can relate to all of that. The energy, the the you know, just I, I feel like it's one of those. Can we really do this? Yeah. And you get four or five people that say, you know, family safe. Yeah. Hell yeah, we can do this. Yeah. And off you're running, you know. Yeah. So well, it's it's, um, it's it's like your 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 sneaker history podcast, dude. You guys, you guys crank out more content than <laughs> you know than than large corporations. I don't know how the hell you're doing. Hey, we just we just keep going. We just we just make sure that we still like talking to each other, and you yeah. know, that's cool. Having these conversations gets us motivated because it's like, man, these stories are so good. More people need to hear about them, and uh, you know that'll get that'll get another. 50 weeks worth of episodes yeah. for us and yeah. you know so, we'll, so, we'll reconnect two or three years from now and you'll have some new thing to tell me about from go Ruck that we can talk about so absolutely absolutely <laughs> no for, for sure nick and and, and dude I, I really i really appreciate the time to, to talk about this today and the history and all that kind of stuff but i think you hit the nail on the head when you said that you know uh, this is like um it takes a village to raise a shoe, right? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 what's funny is that you know today I get to be the face of the conversation, but honest, dude, I'm I'm just I'm just the I'm the the mouthpiece for a team behind me at Go Rock, a team um, at our manufacturing place, some raw material suppliers who I've known for thirty plus years, who have said, hey, look, you guys aren't big enough yet, but because because we know you and because we know, you know, because you're a pain in the ass, we'll work with you. Right? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, no. And, and, and so it, and it's all those people that actually uh, culminate or, or work together to culminate into the output. And, and what happens is you end up uh, getting kind of a, a, a single, um, a single shot. You know what I mean? Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you making the time to to talk with me and, you know, obviously excited for, for the next things and definitely keep us in the loop when, when this shoe comes out so we can tell people about it and, you know, just appreciate, I mean, truly just appreciate you being yourself and, and kind of just, you know, 
sharing this journey with people because I think it's inspiring. I found it inspiring. You know, there's only four or five people that I count on that list of people that, that had a story that was connected to the footwear industry that I could actually interpret well enough for my parents to understand. So, you know, that was one of those special things. And you're one of those few people that I've gotten to, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's always, uh, it feels like I'm meeting the legend for the first time again, every time. So I appreciate it. Dude, Nick, thanks brother. I really appreciate it. That's super nice to say. And, and, and dude, like the, it's a the energy that I that I convey is based on the energy that I get and the enthusiasm and stuff like that. Truthfully, and dude, I met I met you when you were a punk just coming into this business, right? <laughs> yeah. no, like, well, hold on, you used to you told me, oh, you guys told me you used to work in like the uh, telephone business, didn't you, or something? Yeah, yeah, I worked. For, I was doing sales for AT and T. Yeah, that's right too. The, the yeah. most, the most, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I was just happy to get a check. And then as soon as I realized that I didn't have to wear a shirt and tie and I could go do something else, it was like, well, I'm yeah. never going back there. But <laughs> I say yeah. that lovingly because, you know, I've still got to make sure that my AT&T cell phone stays on. But exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. No, but, but, but dude, because I, I remember meeting you, I, you know, much, much younger. And, and I don't know, the the legacy that you're creating in your content and the way that you um, invite people in. It's, it's super important and it's super appreciated. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, let's make sure that people know how to find GORUCK then before we wrap up. Okay. So, uh, we are at www.goruck.com. GORUCK.com. And, um, and please uh, check us out uh, and look at some of the videos. Look at look at the look at the the message to the company. Check out our product. We make exceptional product. Uh, and uh, and if you give it a try, a lot of our product is um, uh, lifetime guarantees. Uh, we we fix we we repair things. Our footwear is literally best in class. And I'll take on any of the boys to uh, to uh, any of my old friends to uh, to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Well, thanks again for making the time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.